Good evening, Patriots. Tonight is Sunday, May 28th in the year 2023. And it's a normal Sunday in the sense of the week never stops for the lunatics. And the weekend is always peaceful for all of us that unplug. But the lunatics keep doing their job, which is pretty normal, I would say. Patriots, one thing right now for sure is to make sure you get all the nutrients you need in something that is completely healthy that you can count on and not need a science book to figure out what's in it. The problem with so many of the supplements we have these days is that literally you need to dissect it with a science text. You can't even read the label. So everything's a derivative and extraction, something like that. Field of Greens is a product that is a whole food supplement. It's The products are organically grown. And the fruits and vegetables in there are organically grown. They're selected specifically for certain parts of your body to enhance your overall health, everything from your metabolism to your immune system, everything to make it better and stronger. The foods are organically grown, freeze-dried, and then milled down into a powder. So you're getting a whole food product, and that's what's so amazing about it. It's as God intended. So take a listen to this. Patriots, our greatest health is achieved when we rely on God's bounty 
to support our whole body health. Field of Greens is a whole food supplement that empowers our mind, body, and spirit as we were designed. Each specific fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens has been medically chosen to support specific health functions, like your heart, your liver, your kidney health, your immune system, and your metabolism. Field of Greens is organically sourced, manufactured in the United States, and the company is headquartered in Texas. It is a supplement designed to boost the full body-mind function using whole foods. Just read the ingredient label and you will see, it reads like a grocery shopping list, not a lab experiment. Field of Greens is also the only brand with a better health promise. Start using and enjoying Field of Greens, and at your next doctor's visit, if your doctor doesn't say something like, wow, whatever you're doing, it's working, keep it up, return it for a full refund. If you keep your body healthy, your mind and spirit will follow. So get started today. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to get 15% off by going to fieldofgreens.com. That's fieldofgreens.com. And if you sign up for the monthly subscription, which you can suspend or cancel at any time, you will get an additional 10% off. That is a total of 25% off. Just go to fieldofgreens.com and use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. Again, that's fieldofgreens.com, promo code BARDS. You know, it's um, an interesting reflection point that in Scripture it says we are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. And I think this is a really important point. I've had a lot of reflection on this weekend. I did my gardening today. I did a lot of gardening today. When I garden, I'm, I'm, it's all just part of the principle of how we walk. So I, and it's and interesting because my neighbors are getting used to me now when I say that because I'm gardening with my open carry and I garden with my extra two magazines on my other hip. And when we assume the place of it being normal, they do too. I think that's just a really important point because I'm making an intentional act to make it part of my life and to literally push forward in such a way that we are living that which we say, which is the open carry of our, of our sword, the open carry of our faith. And I think that that's, as we start to step into that, we step into a greater role of being peacemakers, not peacekeepers. The UN calls itself peacekeepers, entering into the world, entering into the space that they are to maintain the peace, but they haven't earned the peace. They've only forced the peace upon the people. And really, if you want to look at it, peace only comes about through conflict and war because you're fighting for something. And that doesn't have to mean it has to always be violent to the point of blood. But making peace means that you are making an action to bring about peace. And that's something that we're not very well attuned to. The church, to a large degree, wants to have peace without a cost. And to a large degree, I would say many people want to have peace without a cost. Soldiers aren't any different, actually. It's an interesting place, in fact. Soldiers and the sergeant major is a good example. The sergeant major is the, is the general of the soldiers in certain sense. It means that his sole duty is to maintain the motivation, health, and welfare of the soldiers. 
And so it kind of works like this. If the sergeant major says to a soldier, ah, don't worry about it. You can take care of it next time. That soldier will always do the easier route. If the sergeant major says to the soldier, unacceptable, drop, give me 20, do a run around the, do a run around the barracks 20 times, whatever it is, you got extra duty. In, this, in the old world, that was understood. That was part of maintaining the, the motivation, the edge, and the understanding of what our duty requires. But in the new world, everything is about how to do things easier, more convenient. And that's where we get into a lot of trouble. Because life is not easy, shouldn't be. And this is yet even more complicated because when we start talking about this, what we do is we say this. We say things like, well, God, God's got this. God's already won. Yeah, it's true. The victory has been made, but the victory has not been realized. The war has been won. True. The war over evil and the, our, us being free from evil was accomplished with Christ on the cross but we haven't accomplished the victory yet because what we've done is we've symbolized that sacrifice as our easy way out ticket. And unfortunately we are where we are. A lot of reflections this weekend on that. A lot of reflections this weekend and working in the garden and giving some thoughts to what it is to just have a bountiful garden what it is to maintain that. All that's work. All that's diligent time. And those that garden understand, those that ranch understand, those that do those extra things understand. But unfortunately, we've got a world that's increasingly deciding in a certain way that it wants to comply rather than defy. And it's dividing. It's not like it's more than one side or the other, but there's a definite split between defiance and compliance. Compliance is the easy route. So we'll have to see where this takes us, but it's going to be interesting. Quick call out here to EnviroCleanse. It's an air filtration system. They're a great sponsor for the show. And I've been really happy. In fact, I have the system running now. I keep it running almost all the time in the studio. It's amazing. It's an um, air filtration system, small, portable made in the USA, has a HEPA filter, has another filter known as an earth mineral technology filter. It takes out flu viruses, bacteria, it takes out dander, it takes out the allergens, it takes out all sorts of things, mold, dust particles, all these things it filters through your air. And in, a, in your house, it'll, you can circulate the air. It will circulate the air through there up to three or four times an hour, depending on the settings you have. These things are used in the Navy ships to help purify the air. And air quality is really one of the most important aspects of our daily life in our homes. For me, that becomes important because I definitely, like many of us, we're spending more time on our computer than we may like, but the air quality is essential along with other things. And it's a critical part of our health maintenance and our health strategies. Now, if you head over to ekpure.com, ekpure.com, use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, you'll get 10% off and free shipping. It is a great product, and I, I do mean that. I've been really putting it through the test because I've run it now for 
At this point, I think I've run it steadily for about a week. I wanted to see what it would do. And it's made a substantial difference in the air quality and the overall feeling in the room. And that's really big. So I'd really recommend you check it out. I think you'll be very impressed with the product. It's, again, EnviroCleanse, American-made air filtration system. Great quality and just uh, just overall great product. Again, EK Pure, E-Echo, K Kilo. So EK Pure, P-U-R-E, dot com. Promo code BARDS, 10% free shipping, and you'll find that below every podcast. The place in the garden is, I was looking today, I was spending time. I spent most of the afternoon actually going through the tomatoes. And I think what do I have now? About eight, about 25 and 18. So I've got roughly about 45 tomato plants that are in. And I still have more to plant. But I've put them in phases. So I've got one batch that's pretty well along the way and another batch that I put in last week. And they're all growing well. But the ones that I put in about three weeks ago, I, I staked, but I didn't tie into the stakes. And I'm vertically staking them so they'll grow up. And it's interesting when you look at a tomato plant because tomato plant is going to seek and do what it does. It's going to seek to grow and bear fruit. And so when you let it, as you will you know if you've grown tomato plants, if you don't stake them and raise them up or put them in cages, they will tend to trellis across the ground. And as they do, then the suckers start to come up. Now, this is, it, I caught it early, but each one has some of them coming up at the bottom. So I spent some time today trimming off the bottom of the tomato plant and then tying it onto the stakes, which I use a, a thin elastic band to do it. So there's some give and take on it. And that's training them to go up. But it takes an effort, right? I mean, it just doesn't happen. If, we're let, if we let the tomatoes grow, they'll grow. They'll grow like a bush. And they'll grow increasingly across the ground. And the fruit is on the ground. And the fruit, some of the fruit will rot. And it's harder to pick. But they'll grow. But there's no discipline with it. And there's no training with it. And I think so much of what we are in our faith is we are lacking a lot of our discipline. And I don't mean that because you reading the Bible, it's not what I'm getting at, or, you, or you, because you go to church each week. It's the discipline in what it is to be active in the kingdom of God. We are so important right now that we are understanding what's coming at us. Now, I've given this... I was kind of going through a lot of things this weekend and looking, especially yesterday, kind of reflecting on the the entire nonsense going on in this scam of LGBTQAI plus nonsense. And looking at what they're actually doing. Now, on a positive note, there's about 20 corporations that are facing bankruptcy right now for multitudes of reasons. And these companies are all in one way or another bringing on this LGBTQ garbage because it's all, if they're still able to survive, because the only way they're going to get funding going forward is to get the right score, which is 
environmental, social, and governance, the ESG score, which is called a couple different things, but that's basically it. And that means that in order to do that, they have to comply, sell their soul to an idea of mandating, encouraging, grooming kids, it's always a kids, to become gay or to question their gender or mutilate themselves and never be able to reproduce. All of this is about a reproduction strategy in the end of the day and controlling humanity because the class of pedophiles and, and elites can't reproduce the way they need, so the only way they can expand their power is to influence the children. And with this, there's an interesting side effect because what they're being told in these companies, among the other things, but you know, basically, one, they're not going to get money if they don't comply to these strategies. And two, if they're losing money, don't worry about it. I'm serious about what I'm saying. There was a recent interview with Larry Fink of BlackRock snickering at the people that were boycotting. Because his thing is that if you don't comply, we know who you are. We will know who you are even more by your economic transactions. And we're simply going to exclude you in the new economic order. It's an extension as in their playbook. And their playbook literally is Revelation. And their playbook is to talk about, to convince people that we're at that point. And unfortunately, a lot of people are convinced we're at that point. And so they're giving up. This is the end of times. And they're just bunkering down to wait for the return of Christ. It's just handing victory over to the enemy. You know, we are in a fight, in a war, until there is peace. And that peace has to be created by the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. But it's interesting because I, as I was reflecting on this in prayer, I'm like, wow, Father, we are really being run by these handful of people that are running a narrative of control to influence. And I was corrected and rebuked. And essentially went like this. Why aren't you looking at the vax? And I'm like, well, I do look at the vax. It's like, look again. You're missing what's happening. And so I did. And this is what I've realized we're dealing with. We are looking at the symptoms and we're following the money to find the cause. And in so doing, we're walking right past the real action agent, the real cause and effect of all this transgenderism. We're actually being deceived because what's happening is BlackRock and Blacks and Vanguard, and I think the other one, State Street, are taking advantage of something that's already happening. What they're doing is they're taking advantage of a moment, which we're going to talk about in a second, by forcing people into the compliance, by telling these people don't worry, we know who those are that aren't going to participate. We're going to exclude them. Don't worry about your short-term losses. Suck it up, do this, and you will be eligible for this new funding. So what is that? How do they have that confidence? And, I, and this is what was shown and what I accept. You can take it to prayer. It's all centered on the vax. 
And we're missing something here, something very profound and very important. We talk about the vax, we talk about the effects of the vax, we talk about a lot of dark things in the vax, but here's what really came through. This was all through the weekend, and it just kind of struck me. I'm like, wow, I hadn't put those pieces together all like that. Let's start with Hollywood's promotion and constant forward pushing of this black goo. And it's always, it's like coming out of people's eyes. It's coming, it's dripping on their head. What is the black goo? And we've been postulating. Well, black goo is graphene oxide, just so we're clear. Because it has this other life of its own. And I don't know what graphene oxide is exactly. Really nobody does, other than they call it a semi-animate object. It's like a hybrid alien life. And it's, the graphene oxide has like the hydrogel in it. It's tied with the hydrogel and all these other things are in the vax. But here's what we're missing. The vax is creating a portal for demonic activity to enter in. And what we're actually witnessing right now is literally revelation in that sense. We are witnessing the mass possession of people. We are looking at a global mass possession of people. This is why once that began to happen, why the media narrative has gone so strong with this and why the finance narrative has pushed so strongly into bringing people into compliance with this LGBT, Baphomet, gender-neutral worship, which is to upend God's creation, because they know something. They know that there are people that are already possessed, and they are know there are people that have not quite been possessed yet, but as their will goes towards the willingness to accept this other space, this gender-neutral garbage, gender inversion garbage, that they will be subject to the demonic attack because their armor will become weakened. We do not fight the flesh in flesh and blood. We fight in principalities beyond our control. This is it. This is it. And we are now witnessing a true war of the demonic. And, you know, it's like I wish I was making this up sometimes. It's like a bad horror film, but it's real. It's right before us. And with this, that means something. It means it should mean something. It should mean everything to all of us. And this is truly, I just saw this in chat. It's such a good comment. It's a war for souls. Absolutely correct. A war for souls. We are in a war for souls. This is a true threshing and harvest going on. And the problem is that for God's children, there's not that many people proportionally that are equipped or even willing to step into the space of saying we need to confront the demonic. And so they don't, they lack the tools they often lack the confidence or even the belief, even though it says in Scripture, Christ cast out demons. We don't want to believe that that's real anymore. We've been so brainwashed. And in fact, most churches won't touch deliverance work. They scurry away from it. They think it's hocus pocus. They try to point to it as black magic or something. Or sorcery or something worse. Or they think it's foolish and then they try to blame it. Like They'll point their finger over it. One, one religious sect, and they'll be like, oh, they do it, and these, these people don't. We're good because we don't get into that stuff. Just like speaking in tongues. People will be like, oh, they're just the weird ones speaking in tongues. 
It's like, all right, whatever. The fact of the matter is that this war is getting very real. And the war in the spiritual sense is getting more in the open. And what we're witnessing now, if you're trying to put your pieces together and understand how the world went so crazy, don't point your finger at Biden. And don't point your finger at Blackstone or BlackRock and, well, Blackstone probably too, and Vanguard and State Street. You have to go bigger and deeper. And you have to start looking at what this injection is literally doing. They're very content, whether, whether we like it or not, they're very content with the numbers that they have. And these numbers are much less than they expected, and yet they seem to be very content with it. We have all sorts of theoretical aspects of people apparently going to, you know, you have Marburg virus being theorized that it's going to happen. Who knows? We don't really know. We have the consequences of the shot, which we've heard about the death tolls. And the death tolls are high. They're much higher than we're being told. And with this, we have these people, the elites, scurrying to pilfer more money and so forth. It's like they're racing against time. And I don't know what all that is, but I, some of it we want to believe is for good, meaning that the good guys are accelerating that. But there's also a darker agenda here, which is they're trying to pilfer as much money out of people before those people kick it and die. Because each one of us has a value to them. And that what we're also witnessing here is these people that have gone off the loony trail or off onto the loony trail. And there's just this mass, seems like psychosis that's hit us with this LGBTQ, transgender, plural confusion, whatever. In my opinion, more than my opinion, from what I was shown, this all anchors back at the vax. Do you know that right now it's like one in 10 children in elementary school are saying that they're gender confused? And so what we're doing is we're saying things like, well, it's, it's what they're being propagandized with. There's truth to that. Don't get me wrong. There is truth to that. But there's also truth to the impact of the vax, the bioweapon, because it's literally, it's beyond the technologies that we were ready for or understood. We're trying to backwards engineer it. We know that there's a frequency component. We know there's graphene oxide and there's hydrogel, which is a living entity. We know there's a lot of things going on. We know there's different concentrations, but number of things that cannot be denied. One, you can't deny the death or the damage caused by it. And you also can't deny the absolute massive increase in gender confusion. And even more, the desire for people to change their gender. That's pretty amazing. And I will bet you, almost to the person, because I can only go by what I read and what I can discern from that, but it, it, we're getting to a point where most of that, you're going to find that those people were injected and gender confusion is now settled into them or the desire to be another sex. This is a demonic attack on a magnitude we have never imagined. And so we're in a mass demonic possession of the world, different concentrations in different places. But 
one of the things that I believe that they see and think they are going to win at is they're going to be able to possess so much of this society that from a spiritual war point of view, they will be able to conquer the whole world. What that does is it places a massive responsibility and accountability onto the remnant. And it's a good thing, but it's a demanding thing. And literally, as I say every night, we are at war. Well, yes, we are at war. And we're at war with the principalities far beyond our physical being. And those principalities where that war is raging are taking the form in both a physical and a spiritual before our very eyes. This leads to a, a greater complication and greater need for discernment because when you st- we start to look at the world through this lens and we start to see this, we start to see those that have been subjected to demonic possession that we on a normal human plane might say, I wanted this person needs to be eliminated. They're actually victims. And we have to get down to those that perpetuated the crime and that are pushing this stuff into causing other people to be possessed. It's interesting in our my household here because the idea of using the concepts of demons, even as even a year ago, was pretty sketchy in our conversations here in the house. And yet today when we had lunch together and we talked, it's interesting to watch my parents embrace the aspect of demonic. It's now become as real to them as anything because it's the only thing in the end that it explains the world. And we are very adept at trying to rationalize, which comes from an anti-Christian view anyway. Rational thinking is not Christian. It comes from the philosophy movement, and it's designed, it was anti-faith. And it was designed to provide systemic proof of everything that we do so that we would not be able to believe or trust in anything supernatural. The age of enlightenment. To enlighten your mind. So we're being trapped in our own arrogance and pride. Here's one for you. And it's just interesting to note. The rainbow is God's rainbow. They've absconded with it. And then they've put the tr- one of the greatest sins, they, na- they name it with one of the greatest sins. Pride. That struck me today. I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. The right before us is the enemy's greatest weakness, and we don't even see it. We get angry at it. We talk about it. We're like, oh, I'm not going to be participating in Pride Month or Pride Summer, which is what they're trying to do. But this is why ultimately the enemy will fail. Because the enemy is arrogant, they're prideful, and they're blind. And they can't understand that this is a war that they have already lost. What we don't do well at is understanding that they have already lost and then embracing the authorities given to us to ensure the victory. And the enemy knows that. 
and the enemy exploits us. And so now they've got this whole new level of recruitment going on because of the number of people that fell on their knees to the state rather than to God, complied with taking the shot, which was stunning, and now has created within themselves essentially a portal for demonic to take root and hold. Do you know that in interviews, and one of those people who has done these had these conversations is Pastor Dave Bryan, who you will meet at Yuba City if you're going to Bards Fest. He talks about it when he was has been gone to he's gone to state mental hospitals, and the doctors will talk off record to him that they know for fact that bipolarism is in fact demonic possession, but they have no tools to deal with it, nor are they allowed to because they're supposed to give them drugs. And all drugs do is make it worse. So it's, it's a point where we have to start embracing a walk. And we have to start embracing the authorities and responsibilities that are set before us. You know, back to that tomato. It's going to grow. It is has been growing. I didn't tie it up on the stakes. I'm about a week and a half, maybe two weeks late on that. It's still going to do fine. But it does it doesn't stop growing, waiting for me. I don't give it hormone blockers to try to hold up its growth. It's still going to grow. What I have to do as its steward as I'm in the way that I've laid out the garden, is I had to spend some time today trimming off the suckers that have grown up, tying them up carefully, and guiding it and stewarding it now to grow more vertical rather than horizontal. And as you know, tomatoes, you can do this a number of ways. You can put them up into one of these the tomato baskets, or you can do them on stakes, which is what I'm doing. Or you can actually trellis them if you want. You can have them grow out horizontally, do a lot of things as long as you're stewarding them, maintaining them, caring for them. We're very much like that as people. And people right now are lacking leadership and stewardship. The churches are broken, let's face it. As a general rule, I realize, and every time I say that, I'm going to caveat this because someone's going to comment on it. It's like, yeah, but I don't want to hear the yeah, buts. Sadly, the majority of churches in this country have become broken for a variety of reasons. Some are just trying to survive with a minimal congregation that they have, and so they keep that congregation appeased because the pastor's payment comes through his salary. This is the money that the church gets through offerings. That's a simple economic model that's become very pervasive. And then you have the other churches that have just seen the opportunity to make a ton of money, so they just push for money. And yes, they're speaking the word, but the bigger thing is trying to build their church it's a business. And if we really wanted to see the church, we should not see the walls. We shouldn't see a ceiling, but we should see the openness of the world where we're each walking in the body of Christ. And that profound place of walking within the body of Christ is where we truly step into our authorities. And it's the authorities given to us through the sacrifice made on the cross. And as we step into that place and we start to understand what our true role is, it is to do the things that Christ asked us to do and told us we could do. 
heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. I love raise the dead because we so often do this. We're like, you're going to pull him up from a grave? Well, it's been done, yes. There's testimonies to that exact thing, but I think we miss another big dimension of raising the dead. It's to give salvation to the soul, raising a dead soul. Someone who has given up on Christ is a good example. They may still die, say they're injured, but if they will accept Christ, you have raised the dead. Just give that some thought. Don't be so we have we mustn't be so linear in our thinking. Because it's to said greater works than he. We have to think bigger. We're enter, entering into a realm of unknown proportions. I, I look every day through the lens, uh, two lenses. I'm looking at the simplicity of life when you're working in the garden, which is demanding and physical. I don't care if you're, I spent three hours today trimming and tying up tomatoes. It's really not a very physical act. And yet it's pretty tiring at the end of the day because of your body position and what you're doing. Just being honest. And a garden maintenance, whether we're planting or maintaining, it's a daily task and a daily effort, as we all know, the garden. When it comes to things like bees right now, they're in a pretty easy state. Tomorrow I'm going to go put on a new super, or the day after I'm going to put on a new super, add up some, give them some more room to grow, and then let that happen. And then, But at a certain point, each one of these phases requires more maintenance. When we deal with cattle, I'm coming into a window where I have 10 steers I have to harvest. And that window is going to be somewhere from August until September, I mean November. And so I have a lot of things on the plate with that. The butchering, which is going to be done somewhere else, and it's not on the farm, and it's going to be, and I've got freezer stuff to deal with, and it, it goes on things, right? So each, each of our tasks that are tied to ancient ways are not easy. They're demanding. They're very fulfilling. And that's the one side of our life. And then we have this other side of our life, which is pure insanity. And it's the war that wages on all the time. It's the war of trying to destroy us in our minds. And it's a question that I throw out. It's like, what happens if we were completely to disconnect and ignore them? It would be interesting if we really did that. And I think we're coming to a point where we're going to have to in order to survive. Because what is emerging here out of this is while we have the calm in our spaces before us is a true demonic possession across the country. And that's only that's the way I'm going to start talking about it. We can hear all the medical things. We can talk about the, the mechanics of the, of the COVID-19 shot, what that looks like, what they think it's doing within the body. We can hear the theories. We can talk about, postulate why some people are affected and some people aren't. But if we step back again and we look at the effects of this shot, there's only certain constants to keep looking at us. One is death. One is injury. And the other is this insane explosion of gender confusion. So what does that mean for us? Because in that sense, it's easy to step back and go, oh my goodness, Jesus, take me home. Yeah, but that's not what we're here for. It's one of the easiest statements. There's two statements that come out constantly within the Christianese of the church. Jesus, take me home. Actually, three. I can't wait for Jesus to come. 
Those two are very predominant. And I was going to say a third, and I've lost it, so I'll think about it in a minute. So there. I've got, I know there's two. We're stepping away from our responsibilities. And that's not a finger pointing at anybody, but the fact of the matter is that God's given us the authorities. We have to step into the authorities. We have to work with the authorities. We have to polish the authorities. We have to discipline ourselves to work within that, even as we work with our gardens, as we work in the firing ranges, whatever you do in the disciplines of your craft, the craft of what we are given as sons and daughters of the Most High is very, very profound. And so you can imagine having an army, and I'll give you this image because I think it's rather profound, an army that are all gardeners and, and sowers and makers of things. And yet that army wields the sword of the Spirit with precision in such mightiness that nothing can ever touch it, nor can it touch those around them. We become the true saviors, protectors is a better term, the peacemakers is the right term within our communities, because we're actively engaged all the time. Let's face it, there's always going to be a mass of people that just follow. I mean, if you just look at the principles of when Christ talked about parables to his disciples, it's rather interesting because he's actually speaking parables to the masses, knowing that what the truths that he's speaking, they cannot hear. He's speaking them so he knows that others who are awakened or in tune will hear them, but the masses will not. And he, he accepts that. It's not a rebuke. It's not a denunciation of people. It's an understanding that there are a select few that when you accept into the world, word of God and you accept or step into the power of what Christ offers in the body, we have a greater responsibility to take in the full sense of what the sacrifice on the cross meant and the powers given to us by virtue of living through that. And I, I just think that that's one, going to be one of the next big steps that we make. I don't see this ending easily. And that's where I was kind of leading earlier as we kind of go through these issues. And I look at this from the two lenses. Look at one saying, okay, what about the world that's in the garden and hunting and living off the land? And what about this other world that's coming at us? AI is not stopping. Quantum's not stopping. 5G, 6G is not stopping. The obsession with money is not stopping. The consumption of material goods, the desire to have a nicer, fancier car, not because you need it, but because you want it, and because God's gifting it to you. The function of wealth is a distorted angle because while God does not want you to have a, a, a spirit of poverty, there's nowhere in there that he wants us to have a spirit of poverty what we're asking for, and this is the fine line of confusion between the prosperity gospels and the true sense of empowerment, the prosperity gospel reaches out to say, I want a jet, God shall provide it, which is probably not God providing, it's probably Satan himself bringing it about. When we're saying to God, God, I need, for example, I need to travel to Africa as a regular thing. What does that look like? I need the resources. What if God told you this? And, and this is not blasphemous, so listen carefully what I'm going to say. What if God responded and said, fine, I want you to walk to Africa? I bet you most people would be like, I can't do that. And yet, Christ says greater works than he. What if God said, I want you to fast walk to Africa? You're like, I'd never make it, God. 
I can't do it. <laughs> but why not? We can't limit God in this fight. That's where this all comes down to. We need to let God shape us. We need to let God direct us and be of infinite possibility. And that's really as I worked trimming those plants today, I'm looking at this going, okay, I'm stewarding this. I'm not, I'm not removing or limiting what the plant can do. All I'm doing is lifting it to make it more efficient, to get rid of some of the lower suckers that are coming out, to put more energy into its vertical growth. And as I'll lead that up, up the stake, which are about four feet tall, the growth vertically will make it easier for the fruit to get sun and it will be more, pros- it will be more prosperity off of the plant. I'm not limiting its potential. I'm trying to expand its growth and its production. I'm trying to see more fruit preserved rather than more fruit rot. Isn't that what God's doing with us? Isn't that what we're really doing when we're stepping into authorities is to let him guide us and to mature us and to raise us so that we grow taller, bigger, wider, whatever he wants with us, that our perspective of the world becomes more profound, that our eyes see more clearly through his lens, that we really start to understand that he loves us. And that was the other one. I just thought of it. I said I had three that are said too much in Christianese. And that third one, we are not worthy. Oh, that one drives me nuts. We are not worthy. Christ, take me home. Jesus is coming. I don't need to do anything. Those are your three. Common, common, common. And it comes down to the simple question, if all that's true, then why are we here and why did God sacrifice his son for us? It's not complicated. God loves us. And God likes to walk with us. You know, I told you the story when I was last week when I was abandoned. And it really is, I'm serious about this. Because I, I struggled all night with this idea of going on stage. I had the desire to do it, to walk in and give my sermon with open carry. And I prayed on it. I'm like, God, I get, the, I get what I can talk about here since I'm open carry. But is this what you want? And he says, well, is it about me or is it about you and the gun? And I said, it's about you. He said, well, then let's go and have some fun. And I started laughing. I'm like, Lord, really? You, you really do want to go out and have some fun on the stage, open caring with me? And it was yes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's go do it. See, but this is us needing to check in with the Father. And not assume that we know everything, but being able to t- test ourselves too, because we have to sort out and discern our own pride, our own issues, our own arrogance, and get clear what we're really doing. And when we start to clarify those motives and we start to identify what it is that we're trying to do, trying what's our true motive for it, we try to get to the sense of our heart. And it's there when we have that forgiving and loving heart, which is amazing how hard that is to hold, that space without trying to creep in with the idea that there must be justice, there must be judgment. Yes, there will be. And I go back so often to the David before Goliath. Because David before Goliath says to Goliath, God will give you into my hands. 
David didn't say, I will go and destroy you. No, God will give you into my hands. Wow. Talk about knowing the Lord. Talk about knowing the lines that, that was going to cost Goliath his life. These are consequences of the world we live. And so ultimately, as we work through this whole thing and we're trying to figure out how are we going to bring about change in this country and how are we going to make do about this or that? What are we going to do about the transgender movement that's trying to kill the kids or corrupt them? What are we going to do about this? It fundamentally comes down to each one of us assuming authorities and understanding that we have an important role in this time not to be passive. God did not provide us with the authorities and then ask us to step back from evil. We are to stand. David stood and God led his hand and brought Goliath into his hand to destroy and kill. Actually destroy and behead would be the right term. But when we start to lurch out there and say, "Here I am, Lord, I'm going to go on the I'm going to go on the killing spree." We just wait, we're way out of line. Because that's not what our role is. But as he leads this, the enemy to our hands, it could be a variety of things. But in the end, the authorities that we're given allow us and guide us to that victory that needs to be declared and realized in this world that Christ died for. And I think therein, we start to see where all this falls. So I want to just close with this. It's a confusing thing when we talk to many people about where God is. And it's very difficult when we're watching the pain of so much suffering going on in our world and so much betrayal, deceit, lying, cheating. It's just unbelievable right now. And we're, and for some that are, for many, I shouldn't just say some, for many, there's a struggle that ends up in a, this idea of, well, where's God? For some, it's just like, well, this is the suffering we must endure in this earth before we go to heaven. That's just a cop-out to me. That's just an easy way of trying to step aside from your authorities and step in and lean into the fight. For others, there's real confusion. Because they'll say things like, well, where, where is God? How, did, how can God allow such things? And what's missing there is the understanding that God's waiting for us to, assume, to declare our authorities. He's given us the authorities to solve this. But we keep trying to wage war on a physical plane as physical people. That's not, that's not kosher with what, who we are, to use a bad word. We are literally the sons and daughters of the Most High. Are we, should we not be trying to understand what that looks like in terms of authority? I mean, I, I laugh at that example of God enjoying walking on the stage with me, open carrying, but do you think God's going to go down and deal with his enemy by going down to Sportsman's Warehouse or Cabela's and saying, hey, I need a 1911 or I need a Glock 19 to go fight my enemy? No. Because God understands truly the sense and power and might. He knows himself. He's given those authorities for us to have access to, and I would argue that probably sitting there and kind of rolling his eyes going, if only they would just ask and start living in and leaning in. So we're in a point right now when many are frustrated, many are angry, there's angry, there's a lot of hatred building, finger pointing, 
being, we're being exploited by the enemy because people's eyes are focused on their narrative and there's not enough eyes focused to God. Then we have this other side of peace at any cost. Love, 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 love. I don't want it. We don't want to get involved in this. We can just pray for everything and it'll go away. And it's the extremes. It's like you have the extremes of do nothing and pray and you have the other extremes of I'm angry and pissed, where's God? But where is that center balance? Where is that balance to understand the true sense of the warrior in Christ? To be able to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, do greater works than he, and be able to wield the sword. Where is that? And that's the hardest path to find. And it's that path right there that I'm called to. I hope others are too. It's where God has me walking, and it's not easy. But what I do know is we're not supposed to be sitting idle while they go after children. We can witness right now before us those that are possessed and under the influence of demonic, if you are having eyes to see and just take a bit of time to discern. And it's very clear where your perpetrators of evil are in the fact that I have no problem with the perpetrators of evil that are going after children to make the introduction to Father God. I have no problem with that. I can live well, sleep well, and stand before Father and say, well, That's what I did because it said millstones and I didn't have a millstone, so this is how I delivered. I can do that. We're not there yet, but we all should be there. Because in the end of the day, we are accountable for how we work in this world. And while I'm not an advocate of violence, violence is real in this world that we're in. And if we're not going to intercede and protect and defend that which God gave us to do so with, that's the little ones and the elderly and those that have no voice, the innocents, that arguably I'm asking a simple question that everyone needs to ask. Why are we here? Because to watch and witness pain and suffering of others is not Christian. Especially when we have the tools and authorities to fix it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. And we're humbled and we're blessed. And just in a deep reflection tonight of, a, of what is a difficult space, by all admissions, it is a difficult space to walk. And I don't think it's difficult in kingdom. I think it's become difficult in this world because things are so inverted, twisted, and, and corrupted. There's just so many people walking in a space We have the arrogance of those that proclaim that they understand everything. We have the arrogance of those trying to say that we need to love everything. And there's no, no, absolutely no denying, Father, that love is at the center of all of this. But we're witnessing horrific pain and suffering, which as a collective body within Christ, we could change and can change. And so that's where our prayer is tonight. To hear our prayers, Father, and, and to declare this by the authorities given to us through our Savior, that the body of Christ that is awake and listening with eyes to see makes, takes the step now to intercede and intercept this evil, to confront it, to pray into it, and to stand mighty with both the sword of steel and the sword of the Spirit, always leading with the sword of the Spirit but that we must start confronting evil. 
And as well, unfortunately, what we're witnessing, Father, as you have put on my heart, we are witnessing a mass demonic experience. And that means we also have to be engaged with the tools of war that you've given us to cast out these demons, to bring these people to the love of Christ, to lead them as we free ourselves to lead others to be free. These are tasks and purposes within our very existence and core that thanks, unfortunately, to a very corrupted pulpit, they are things that people do not want to discuss they try to denounce. They try to deny. They try to skew it away from the scriptures and words that we speak. And yet they're fundamental to the fight that we're in. And Father, as I believe you have shown, we are coming to a point where it will be undeniable. And to those that do not want to step into those authorities, it will be suffering of great weight, if not pain, for lack of declaring authorities and lack of leaning in. So Father, we pray that for those that have ears to hear and eyes to see that the strength, the courage within their heart is to step in to this authority and step into the world to declare it and to start being proficient and disciplined to practice because this world's going to need it. A world possessed to be freed by a small remnant. Sounds like a great movie, Father. How about if we write it? We say these things in Christ's name. Amen. I think we just got our new blockbuster. Bard's Nation. Saving the world from a demonic attack. Sounds like a good tagline. Something like that. So, we need to um, take our authorities. And we really need to lean into them. I'm just telling you, you know, I, these Sunday nights are a reflection for me. They're time if I have on the weekend to sit with Father a bit and really reflect where he's led me all week. There's not a show that I start. There's not a show that I do that I don't open the door for the Holy Spirit. Some nights it's it resonates to the point where I can, it's the whole show is just there Other with the Holy Spirit. Other nights the Holy Spirit's in the background. It's always there. Father's always with me. But I will tell you that this theme that I'm talking about now is going to be with the same types of things I talk about at Bard's Fest, the same types of things that have been in my heart almost every day. That we have to start being the disciplined army that God needs us to be. And take your training seriously. Take your disciplines of warcraft seriously. Probably not words you'll ever hear from a pulpit. You're not going to hear the idea of using scripture as warcraft or looking at the Bible as a field manual for war, but you'll hear it here because that's how I see things. That's how God leads me to see things. That's how I pursue this because I know one thing, and I think we can all agree on this. There is no way in the mortal sense that we will overcome this evil. I could carry all the rounds I want. I could fire all the rounds I want. I can wipe out all the flesh bodies I want, and at the end of the day, that demon is still going to be there. In fact, Christ shows us that because when he, he, he releases the legions of demons from the crazy man, that they, they then infect the pigs and run the pigs run into the ocean and the pigs drown, but the demons are still around. Deliverance work, becoming good and strong in it. It is going to be the difference between a very long and painful process 
of suffering. And the other side of that meaning being the declaration and realization of the victory which Christ gave us. Heal the sick. Spread the word. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Raise the dead. Do greater works. The focus is before us. The opportunity is there. All we have to do is declare, reach, and pursue and discipline ourselves to practice, to become great warriors under the banner of Christ. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Chasing mountains I can't climb Holding out for heroes in the night I find myself here in the dark We learn to fight and learn who we are But I am raised up to face the stars Full of light And we are wild Fire.
your veins makes you shiver And I chase the winter out of my mind Like the dark in the distance Sometimes it takes all you got to be.